It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to the stories and events that are going to be grabbing the headlines and moving markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means trying to make sense of the far-right movement in Europe and daring to imagine what might happen to the European Union, the currency and the stock markets indeed. In other words, your entire investment portfolio. We also consider the state of the UK listed insurers and underwriters. And finally, we'll catch up with James's favourite car mark, that's Tesla. So without further ado, I'm joined uh, on the line, of course, from New York by James Dean, our US business editor. Also on the line from Brussels, our correspondent there, Bruno Waterfield. And here in the studio to keep me company, Martin Waller, the Times Tempest editor. Welcome to you all. Uh, Bruno, if I could start with you. Um, the Dutch elections next month and obviously further down the line, France is going to the presidential polls. I mean, in both cases, uh, when the far right candidates earlier seemed to be making headway with voters, it caused a sell off in the euro and, and, and traders scrambling to sort of, if you like, bear that Sterling was a beneficiary. This is how Gert Wilders, the Dutch candidate, described his feeling about the, the European Union to BBC News. If we want to be liberated, if we want to uh, be a sovereign country again, we need to get rid of this institution that became very um, multilateral and very political instead of economical how it started. Bruno, the, the, that was Gert talking to the BBC News. Uh, Bruno, just set the scene for us, if you would, and, and how the next few weeks might unfold and, and of course, why it matters to us. Well, the, the, the elections are in 20 days' time. Um, they're pretty tumultuous. Um, Gert Wilders launched his campaign uh, last weekend, emphasising his sort of anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant uh, credentials by talking about Moroccan scum and making the streets unsafe in the Netherlands. A bombshell was thrown into the election campaign uh, today because it has emerged that one of the officials of Moroccan origin on his uh, personal police protection team, he's been under uh, protection by Dutch Secret Services uh, since 2004, had handed uh, details of his whereabouts over to uh, to a Moroccan uh, criminal gang. So this is a really tumultuous um, election. Builders is leading um, in the polls, is leading the, uh, against the VVD, the ruling Liberals, uh, the party of the Prime Minister, uh, Mark Rutte. His poll has dipped um, in recent uh, in recent weeks, but is still on track to become the largest uh, party, and that heralds um, some very very bumpy times in terms of trying to form uh, a Dutch. 
government, and it will also give a big signal uh, to Marine Le Pen, who is a close, a close friend of Gert Wilders. They share peroxide blonde uh, hairdos um, as well as uh, politics. So the next few weeks could be very, very, very bumpy um, indeed. And uh, the implications of the Dutch elections um, have real, uh, real consequences for uh, Eurozone uh, stability, which is, is pretty fragile at the moment. Surely the more important election is the French election in terms of what happens to the euro. Um, I mean, the French, if the French are down the line, go for Brexit, what do you want to call it, that surely is the end of the euro. Um, my main concern will more be for stock markets over the next few months because I think the market is looking very toppy. I've said this for a long time. It's looking extremely fragile. I think of another shock following the last two last year uh, could be very bad indeed for equities. So, Bruno, what do you think? I mean, is it a rough time on the stock market, our investments, or is it in a way a bit like, I mean, if we could say that Donald Trump was elected on this sort of ticket of, of, of stand alone and stand on your own two feet, and their stock market, I mean, the, the Dow Jones has reached a ninth consecutive record high, so maybe it wouldn't be bad for stock markets. What do you think? Well, I think, I think the, the most likely consequence of the Dutch elections, and we're already seeing this with, with the sort of collapse of the socialists in France is, is the sort of is, is a, a period of, of, of political disorder where all the mainstream parties are very, very weak. Now, they form a coalition to try and keep people like Gert Wilders and his Freedom Party or uh, Marine Le Pen um, and the, the French National Front out of the, in that case, the second round of the French presidential elections. But they do so at a real price. They do so at the price of uh, the stability uh, of government. So what we're expecting out of the Dutch elections is actually a very, very fragile uh, coalition that will take a long time to form a government that will not be able to take the kinds of uh, reforms that the Eurozone needs. And I think we're going to see the same in France too. French politics is really um, hollowed out. And if uh, the French political class have to unite around someone like uh, Macron, who's, who's basically unknown, doesn't seem to have much of a political uh, programme, that comes at, real, at a real price. Um, for stability. And one of the things the Eurozone really needs at the moment is a period of stability because there's lots of reforms such as uh, European uh, bank deposit uh, guarantee that needs to be agreed over the next period, over the next uh, a couple of years. And the, these elections seem to push um, that away. And of course, you have Brexit in the background. We're going to have very bumpy um, Brexit um, negotiations. And that too is going to feed into uh, currency instability um, in the euro area. James, can I bring you in here? Does it seem like a long way away, this, that it's happening? Well, it is on another continent, of course, but is it something that does uh, interest Wall Street? And, of course, there's a presidential view now. Maybe he, he was gung-ho for Brexit. Maybe he's he's equally supporting these people. What's your feeling there? Um, I think with Trump and the way Wall Street's looking um, at the wider world at the moment, I still think it's very kind of an introverted view. They're still trying to figure out what the president's doing over here, or at least what he's um, promising to do. I mean, I think you mentioned earlier the this the huge rally in the, in the Dow and in other indices as well. Um, obviously, it's quite spectacular, but a lot of what's happening here is as a lot of analysts are now saying, all of this kind of momentum is built on promises that Trump has made. 
right now, there's a few people getting the feeling that now that Trump is in a kind of, he's kind of hitting up against the wall of reality, which is that he might not be able to do all of the things he's promised to do, be it slash taxes, you know, within the next few months or uh, spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure and wipe away regulation. He realizes now that he's got to get these things through Congress. It's not quite the same as being on The Apprentice and pointing a finger and saying something and getting someone, you know, saying you're fired or getting someone to do something immediately. He has to get these plans through Congress. So there's a bit of a kind of stall over here at the moment. Um, so I think people are reading into that more and more than what's happening in the wider world. But, uh, you know, as we saw with as we saw with Brexit, I mean, Donald Trump, I think, uh, spoke very early on about how Brexit was a wonderful thing. Um, he does believe that these kind of populist right wing movements are a good thing. And he would be probably happy to, you know, to welcome these countries into to trade deals in the future if they do decide to leave the European Union, as he's promised to do with Brexit. So I still think it's all a bit unknown over here. And it's hard to kind of gauge what the rea- reaction might be, because everyone's more interested in what's going on within the borders here. But I think in time, we certainly could see uh, some kind of some kind of movements, depending on what happens in the elections. And I think I'd make a very, very sharp distinction indeed between the election of a president explicitly pro-business and the effect on the markets and the Dow Jones and the effect on European markets of a potential threat to the euro. They're quite different subjects. That's interesting. Yeah, Bruno, what would you say to that? I mean, it's an interesting point Martin made, isn't it? It is an interesting point. I think the real, the, the real problem of the surge in, in populism, the fact that it looks pretty definite that the pen will go through to the second round and everyone will have to unite uh, to, to get a candidate um, ahead of her, is it does, you do end up with weak government. Macron has, if it is him, <clears throat> does not have a party base. Um, he does not have a strong uh, constituency. He will be the candidate who is not Marine. Um, and that means he is not going to be well-placed to push through uh, the, the kind of reforms that France and the euro area really badly need. And the same is the case um, in the Netherlands. It's very unlikely that Mr. Wilders will win and be forming the next uh, Dutch government, much more likely to have a sort of mainstream pro-EU, pro-euro coalition. But that coalition will be weak. And that coalition, because of the strength of the populist anti-euro parties, will not be in a good position to take the reforms that everyone wants and expects the... Uh, euro area to take over the next couple of years, particularly the issue of of completing a banking union, which is going to really be um, in the spotlight um, with Brexit and the reordering um, of the European financial sector. Just looking at it briefly before we move on, Greece, it's there as a sort of feast at the banquet. I know you've been following this very closely. Could Greece be something that actually undermines the euro in the end and not the far right parties? Well, I think, I mean, Greece is, Greece is always there. It's like a, it's like a, a ticking, a ticking uh, a time bomb. And, and, and every time over the last seven years, they've delayed um, the decisions they need to take, which are really uh, a, 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 about um, the Greek uh, debt burden in, 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 the long, in the medium uh, to a long term. And, and really, time is running out. So this summer, yes, Greece is going to be um, very, very difficult. Again, um, the opportunities they've had this year so far to take some difficult decisions, uh, have not. Uh, they've decided to 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 kick the can down the road as uh, as ever. So Greece is back. Greece is going to be back 
um, in uh, June um, and July as the IMF uh, grapples with its uh, conscience about whether it pays out some money um, in a sort of six billion uh, disbursement uh, to Greece. Otherwise, Greece will be uh, insolvent. Um, again, behind all that will be really big questions um, about whether Greece is actually uh, capable of particularly reforming its uh, pension uh, system, which is responsible every day, every year for a transfer of over 10% of GDP compared to 3% roughly as the European um, average. Now, can Greece and can the Eurozone make those kinds of reforms, which means that the Greece, Greek economy and Greek debt could be uh, could be viable. People are pretty pessimistic. All right, well, we'll leave that there. And of course, don't forget, you can keep up to date. Bruno will be reporting on that, I suspect, almost daily. Now, some of the finance companies are going to be reporting. And Martin, we've already had UK banks reporting their annual results. And we've got a few in the coming days, I call them broader financial companies. We're in sort of quite a diverse bunch from Hiscox and Jardine Lloyd to Direct Line. Uh, so when they actually do report, what is a lot of private investors go into that sector? And you look at it very closely. What's, what's, what's the situation? Well, I'll give you a fairly good idea of that because we've already had two of them reporting, um, Lancashire and Beasley, two of the less well-known uh, insurers, straight insurers, have had put up some extremely good uh, promising and positive trading statements. Um, they're all doing remarkably well, which those are who, who can remember the horrors of Lloyd's a couple of decades ago. Um, it comes, comes quite surprising, actually. And I think there'll be further good news from the sector. It is a wide sector. Um, I would point out that... Um, we have had figures from RSA, which some of us still think of as the Royal and Sun Alliance, um, which were very positive indeed. And it's perfectly clear that the, the turnaround plan by Stephen Hester, uh, who came in from the RBS, uh, is pretty well complete. Um, Hester made one interesting point when I spoke to him. He, 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 the big question with these companies is obviously the euro, as we spoke to, and what happens Brexit, etc., etc., and the eurozone. And, and and he made the interesting point where he said, well, 70% of their, their their profits are not made in sterling. And like other insurers, most of them have, he has separate uh, locally regulated European subsidiaries. So it doesn't actually make a lot of difference. There'll be questions on that, and I've spoken to him about it before. And the line generally is, we are so wide, widespread across the world, and some of some are based in Bermuda. Um, it really isn't a problem. Um, I think what's more interesting is the way that the industry has really turned itself around. Um, it's a lot more professionally managed um, to the extent than it was a few decades, a couple of decades ago, to the extent that they're now in a position of having large amounts of excess funds, which they're shoveling back to investors in the form of dividends, um, which is quite a turnaround. Brief thought from, first of all, you, Bruno, and then you, James. I mean, a lot of these uh, big, the Deutsche Bank, for example, has a massive presence here in the city. Do you get any sense that companies, do, are they looking forward to, to moving greater numbers of people from London to continental European bases? Or do you think a lot of this is actually genuinely scare stories and no one knows yet? Well, I think the, 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 uh, the, the Dutch head of uh, City um, today was saying that the Netherlands will get uh, 10,000 jobs uh, or so he, uh, so he claims. So there's a bit of, there's a bit of hope that, um, there'll be, there'll, there'll, that some jobs will come um, Europe's way. There was a report out by the Bruegel think tank here in uh, Brussels um, a couple of weeks ago. Now, they're very influential. They're very, very close to the ECB. Um, and they're very, very close to the Commission. They were estimating um, uh, 10,000 banking positions leaving uh, London with another sort of 18 to 20,000 um, ancillary um, jobs. They reckon 
um, that London uh, London will lose, you know, something like 35% uh, of, of European operations carried out by the top five U.S. investment banks, and they seem to have talked um, to all of those institutions. Now, those figures are bad enough, but they're much, much lower than, than some of the sort of really scary uh, numbers of sort of like quarter of a million that we've heard from the London uh, stock exchange. I think some of the worries on the Eurozone side uh, 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 more about themselves, if you like, which is, 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 is problems of the fragmentation of their financial sector after uh, London is outside um, the EU and the possibility um, of higher costs in, in clearing houses um, fit bleeding through to, to, to higher uh, borrowing costs for households and corporates. Brief thought from you, James. Financial companies, obviously a huge sector in the United States. Again, I suppose it's a bit like the, the Dutch and French elections. Does it impinge much on you when you're going around the Wall Street brokers and fund managers? I mean, in, in terms of what they're doing about Brexit, I mean, all of the big, you know, for example, you know, the biggest banks have fairly decent operations, at least the big international banks have fairly decent sized operations in London. And every single one of them has either said publicly that they're thinking about job moves or has potentially leaked numbers to um, to, to certain newswires in the press and certain uh, press outlets as well, uh, giving figures for actual job moves. Now, I think calling it, I don't think I'd call it scaremongering necessarily, because, um, you know, we've had quite a few months since the Brexit vote to to see some kind of clarity from the government about what it's going to do to keep jobs in the city without actually having anything concrete. I mean, it, it, it only seems to be sensible planning that a lot of these banks maybe don't want to up sticks completely from London, but to use a kind of management term, want to de-risk their business by moving some jobs outside. So if they're taking certain chunks of their employees and putting them in other European cities, it seems to be um, kind of a, a sensible move. But Again, I mean, only time will tell about how well the government does in terms of keeping jobs in the city uh, as to how many they eventually move away. Martin, a final thought with you. I think that anyone who puts a number on an event which might happen at some stage, we know not when, under circumstances we do not yet know, um, is talking complete poppycock, whether they're the Bruegel Foundation or whether they're the city. We generally do not know. I personally do not believe there will be a large shift of jobs from the city to Frankfurt or Paris or whatever. This is partly because I've heard it all before. In the early noughties, we were being told, in fact, one of the former Lord Mayors of London warned that Frankfurt would be overtaking London as a factory centre by 2000 and whatever. doesn't seem to have happened yet. I understand Brexit is a different matter. I don't believe large numbers of, of American banks who speak English and are already well-located, well-used to living in London, are going to turn around and move to Frankfurt or Paris. That's a very upbeat note. Well, we're going to take a short break now. And uh, when we return, we'll check in on Tesla. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. James, we've uh, had some results from Tesla, and I suppose the big talking point is that losses were reduced and the much-trailed Model 3 is about to be launched. Um, Just listen to this update from the latest Tesla Times News online. Yeah, it really is out there on YouTube. It is pausing Model X and S production for a week starting later this month to install equipment for the Model 3 production. Yeah, during this downtime, Tesla will be installing new equipment, including another stamping press, adding capacity to their existing paint shop, and this is all because they're getting ready for the Model 3. James, very slick, but uh, what, what do the figures actually tell us? Um, I think, as you said, the, the headline figures were better than expected. I mean, it was a smaller loss, and... Revenues were higher. Um, If you drill down a bit further, as is always the case with Tesla, you kind of get to the meat of the situation. Um, So obviously the big news at the start, also that they were talking about yesterday, was that Model 3 production was on track. And Model 3 is going to be the big thing for Tesla. It's going to be its first mass market car. It's not just sports saloons or uh, SUVs. This is actually something that could sell in large numbers. And therefore, there are high hopes and investors also have high hopes for it, despite the fact that nobody's tested it yet because they haven't built one for testing. So um, there's a lot of hyperbole, as is always the case with Elon Musk. Um, Underneath the headline figures, you actually see that their revenue from cars actually fell in the last quarter of uh, 2016, down to $2 billion. And cars are by far the biggest part of Tesla's business. Um, the company also delivered uh, fewer cars last year than it said it would, delivered about uh, 76,000 just over. It said it would actually deliver, well, it predicted at the start of the year that it had delivered between 80 and 90,000. Um, and as was alluded to in the clip just then, um, uh, Tesla is kind of changing the way it's changing its manufacturing processes to prepare for mass production of the Tesla three uh, of the Model Three later this year. And it said uh, it said last night that it was going to um, spend between two billion two and a half billion dollars to do that. Uh, and this was after it spent a um, billion dollars in the last quarter, in the quarter, last quarter of 2016, um, various capital expenditures. So it's burning a lot of money. It's still making a loss. It still hasn't actually made its first mass market car for testing, and deliveries are down on those that it already does produce. So it's difficult to say what's going to happen. I mean, Tesla is valued very, very highly at the moment. It's actually valued as highly as some um, traditional motor manufacturers, though being the 
petrol motor manufacturers that have been around for decades, if not more than a century. Um, it's valued at just over $40 billion. So investors' expectations are high, but you have to wonder at some point whether you know this Model 3 is actually going to push Tesla through into being a serious profit-making company, or we're just going to keep getting more and more hyperbole from Elon Musk, and the company's just going to keep through burning, keep burning through more and more billions of dollars, and it's going to keep missing its delivery targets, which it seems to do fairly consistently. Now, just a final thought, perhaps, from you, electric cars, big over here. I mean, I've genuinely no idea. Do you see a lot of them where you are? And, of course, you travel extensively around the continent, not just France, Germany, Brussels, everywhere, Netherlands. What's the state of electric cars? Tell us. Well, they, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a sort of couple of places where they have sort of charging banks for them outside the European Parliament, because the MEPs like all that, uh, like all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I don't really notice them when traveling around, I'm usually looking out for some nice old vintage cars, like the sight of a, a Citroen DS is more likely to to uh, get me going, I'm afraid. So I, I have to say that I, don't, I do not notice uh, electric cars in my travels. They seem to be most common in um, California, actually. I think it might be the kind of, uh, they're all kind of up on their green credentials over on the West Coast. You do see a few on the East Coast as well, but I mean, for sure, they're nowhere, you know, they, they, these cars aren't produced in anywhere near as large numbers as, you know, the Chevys that General Motors puts out or, you know, the Fords or anything like that. So this is still a, a small company in com- comparison, despite the fact that its valuation is so high. California. If only I could play us out with a Beach Boys record, but I don't think I dare push that one. Anyway, that's it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all those company results and events we've been talking about on your phone, tablet, and don't forget in the paper. If you'd like to become a subscriber, you can sign up at thetimes.co.uk. It costs £1. And that's, of course, going to give you access to the free morning and uh, lunchtime business emails. We're on iTunes, so if you want to hear us weekly, just simply subscribe and uh, do feel free to post your comments. My thanks to James Dean in New York, Bruno Waterfield in Brussels, truly international today, and Martin Waller here in the studio with me. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. And uh, please join us again next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ready Business Britain. 